It is 10.56 on the 18th of June, 10.56 p.m. By the time uh, I've finished whatever <laughs> is about to roll out, uh, it will be Juneteenth. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> we are in the midst, of course, of something tremendously historical, whatever this turning point in our culture and history and possibly a major step of development of our fucking species remains to be seen. Uh, but we're on our, we're on the verge of, and in the middle of something unthinkably, uh, beyond adjectives. <laughs> um, of things I've done with this podcast, a bunch of them have been audiobooking. Uh, for the last little while, I have been uh, doing typing. If you can hear that police siren, uh, there were a lot more around uh, that first week and something with all the rioting. Uh, I happened to be recording some stuff then, so there is an unpublished... Uh, something that I'm going to pull together, which is a little fragment of contemporary history. Um, and I suppose so is this or anything where I mention, <clears throat> you know, uh, this is unnecessary. Uh, <clears throat> future Adam caught a bit of this. Uh, to the point. I have primarily been doing two things with this podcast, one being uh, to do audiobooking of public domain fiction. If you want to look down the list and uh, perhaps by the time you hear this back up the uh, list of episodes, you can find some of those stories. And all of uh, the texts are linked uh, in the podcast descriptions uh, so that you can follow along or just read the story and other stuff uh, independently. Uh, and you can also reach out to me on Twitter at time of posting with requests for things to read and audiobook. Uh, but tonight... I'm going to be doing some writing. And I uh, have done a few of these now, and I'm warming up to the topic. I'm thinking out some stuff uh, before I, you know, get to it. Uh <clears throat> But that was a different sort of story. Uh, I guess the other thing I'm doing with this podcast now, uh, the, I've done something that wasn't just me talking about my writing or me. Uh, 
uh, that I am selectively sharing and doing some stuff with uh, stuff I'm writing. And the thing I'm about to start typing a bit of is something that I have been wanting to write for at least six months or quite possibly more than that. Just uh, in having the way that I come up with stuff like this is I have the characters. I know Izzy, of course, better than just about anybody in this. Uh, what, what, whatever the fuck it is. Uh, but his charming companion, uh, as it were, and appropriately, since this is taking place in Hollywood and thereabouts, uh, that she has been off screen up until right about now. Oh, and <laughs> linked to the uh, description, uh, future Adam, move this earlier, just go from the thing I just said uh, of putting this on paper and just mention earlier that there is a link In the description with this podcast, you can find a link to the awesome song, Green Grass and High Tides, uh, which I have uh, had as like uh, sprang to mind, but uh, is a good rhythm to work to, has been like Rhapsody in Blue for me sometimes and cutting this out so it moves smoothly along until right now.
But that is terrific. That's a shitty way to start it off, but that'll do for the the bare bones drafting of this. That's better. This has to be not so obvious. It has to just come up in the conversation. But this is a very... It's a very revealing conversation, topic, bit of dialogue that says a lot about Izzy in
his convictions. Writing comes in a lot of different ways. This is like what uh, like Da Vinci and other people did. They're called cartoons, uh, like a rough sketch of the painting or the whatever. Uh, that's a bit of what this is. I mean, the story already is, you know, other things, but this is uh, very rough and obvious thing that needs to be layered in and other stuff needs to be going on. So it's not, you know, a big fucking red light, you know, like all of these things need to be woven together so that people can if this ends up being a 10 page story, which in saying that <laughs> ensures that maybe it'll be twice that length. Uh, I've just stopped saying, you know, uh, and this story, I don't think it's going to be that long. I should have it done by whatever, whatever. It's a stupid thing to say, or even think, uh, as Douglas Adams uh, once put it, that uh, I believe he said is, uh, I love deadlines and the whooshing sound they make as they go past.
Komst. Say a few minutes left on here. Yeah, it's about that time. It is 11.23 p.m. 18th June. This thing is rocking and rolling. Back in a sec. It is 11.27, 18th of June. Hmm. 
These are heavy times, friends. And whenever you're hearing this, uh, you will know more than I. Um, and actually, as an experiment I've been meaning to do, um, ooh, what's a good way to do this? I'll say, oh, yeah, no, I heard about, uh, All right. Earlier, Portland City Council defunds police bureau by 50, no, that was, that was not, whatever. Uh, 15 million fucking dollars, which given, you know, the horrendous, uh, displays that we've seen of, you know, tear gassing uh, anyone around and all that stuff. Uh, that's a good start. And I think it will be elsewhere. But here, time travel experiment coming from Adam of June 18th. Uh, future Adam, when you hear this, uh, has anything broken that record for, uh, defunding more than 15 million? I'll, uh, pause and give you a sec to, uh, well, what do you know about that? I guess more than I, both uh, myself, the listener, and if I uh, am able to come back and do that, the self that will be re-recording this. Uh, but enough silliness and time travel. Uh, let's get back to business. Let's get back to lunch. And again, this is too on the nose, but it'll do for now.
There's just so much to unpack here. And I feel happy as a pig and shit with uh, this coming out. Um, Cause I've been working on this thing since December of 2017 folks. And uh, I knew then of all the seeds planted in the garden that I actually, you know, that was, uh, that was an important early dominant image was, uh, hang on, I got to get down the, Also looking back at uh, some of these things when I've been away from them too long, uh, I am ashamed of the unsightly expositions and some of that just needs to be culled because it doesn't serve a narrative purpose. There are things that are said that might work well elsewhere uh, and I'm partly thinking of something from Sandbird, and I'm partly thinking of the thing that's emerging here. But like I said, the garden. And uh, matter of fact, in this context and with everything and as personal and free form as I get about stuff on here and everywhere uh that actually this whole dominant thing of the garden uh came to me in december 6th or 7th of 2017 which uh is easy to remember because, of course, it uh, was on or on one side of the day that will live in infamy and all that sort of thing, uh, and a friend's birthday, actually. But, uh, but I had a seizure uh, then, and also worth noting, sorry, Remember that uh, I have CBD and I have uh, standard type medication for it now, but at that time I did not. And I had a pretty significant seizure uh, experience, uh, which was so painful that I, um, it was an out of body experience, you know, uh, and like those things, like 
astral travel, you know. Um, I don't know exactly how I got there. Uh, and I'm trying to piece out now as I'm saying this, whether this was part of the seizure or it was a vivid dream that night after it, when, you know, all the stuff shook up in your head uh, and all these things, uh, flowers and botany, the, the, uh, this stuff that is uh, peripheral um, on one side. Um, but I had this incredibly clear, one of the most vivid dreams uh, that I can remember offhand, uh, but, uh, this very biblical, uh, thing, this actually like purely biblical, uh, moment, um, of standing in a field or in a muddy, uh like of course and for me it's uh it's like an etymology that just always sticks with me because of uh adam you know and uh hebrew the the man of the red earth it's just something uh that i always notice and the symbolism uh is very important in genesis and the early uh, Genesis 410, uh, especially that line of uh, that your brother's blood cries out from the earth because uh, dam means blood in Hebrew. And also uh, it's, it's one of those combination things where Adam literally is a compound of blood and earth and the statement, you know, that a, uh, that God made a man from the red earth. And in the stream that I had, I remember standing, uh, in this field, in this red uh, mud, and just uh, the sensation of uh, it felt like being in some zip code of the underworld or after, I don't know, without getting too metaphysical or, well, fuck that, that, <laughs> that ship has sailed uh, like 10 minutes ago uh, or whatever. But, uh, but I remember just very clearly in the stream, uh, this feeling of peace in a, or just this weird serenity 
and knowing that the mud and the fields here are watered with the blood of brothers shed by brothers. Just a very distinct uh, thing that just uh, a recognition of that in the dream and this very solid, uh, like I can feel my feet in the mud, like solid uh, sensation. And that was, that was right about, as I'm thinking back on this, that might've been even in the first week of coming up with star material that was that was a very key experience and dream and everything and i just started uh mentioning you know planting all these seeds and the fields and whatever but the thing that i'm writing now uh that i was writing until this you know inevitable sidebar <laughs> that uh uh, as much as I'm bitching as I go about, oh, this is just such a trite, you know, just the the kind of dialogue that I want to cut or I mentally cut whenever I see it in a movie or a book is just like, uh, you know, uh, wow, that must have been so exciting. Like, why did you even bother opening a character's mouth if you're just going to, uh, you know, I mean, there's, there are discussions to be had about show don't tell and talking about cliches and tropes and all this stuff. But what really matters is that, um, Instead of creating a the stuff I'm writing has elements of magical realism, but because of uh, the premise, which uh, is with a uh, Jewish movie producer. Uh, and talking about, you know, toxic work environments and toxic people, uh, that one of the things from pretty early on in the story was uh, this idea that, uh, you know, of someone uh, being an upstanding philanthropist and, uh, you know, oh, he gave $15 million to the, uh, you know, the Widows and Orphans Fund. Uh, you know, that one goes back to the Bible. That literally uh, is somewhere in Leviticus to, uh, to care for widows and orphans. Uh, but, but at the same time, 
that someone who's making these uh, these shows of piety and of uh, you know of being uh, you know a Ganzemacher, a big upstanding Jew, uh, that he's actually a monster, uh, and that you know we're we're peeling this whole thing apart. Uh, but in the the ultimate darkness, the other side of this character from, you know, what the publicists uh, tell everybody he is, uh, <laughs> that he is, obviously you can get some sense of a few things here, but along with uh, the more expected stuff of this story, uh that there is this dark magic going on, uh, which made sense for a number of reasons. Uh, and of course is interesting or else I wouldn't want to write it. Uh, and I hope it'll be interesting to read and potentially even listen through. I'll get back to the typing. I know, <laughs> but, uh, but I haven't been just making shit up as I go the way that you might if, uh, you know, you were to just uh, make up a magic sounding word when you come to a problem in the story that needs to be solved, you know? Uh, and like, uh, well, I mean... <laughs> You could very much pick on J.K. Rowling, and uh, now that's a socially acceptable target. I'm not going to... Uh, whatever. Uh, that is very much her issue and not a thing I'm getting into on the podcast uh, here. But, uh, but it's the kind of thing like uh, Rapero, when Hermione just wants to repair Harry's glasses and uh, the just that word happens to be a magic spell and a uh, bunch of other things. So, you know, uh, and without sidebarring uh, on that either, and this uh, chunk should be cut, future Adam, 20 minutes and something, just cut a bit of the hem-hawing here. Uh, thanks in advance. Uh, but I'm not just having wands and spells and stuff. The, uh, I'm working along lines that already exist and in fact obviously uh predate myself and uh anybody alive now or their grandparents for that matter the stuff i'm doing is based on biblical principles and kabbalistic magics that uh uh 
it's a warm uh, night here. There's uh, a lot of stuff in the air right now. And uh, like it's not just that someone's shooting a curse and it's a red sparks instead of green sparks or yellow or whatever. Uh, the, the way that curses come into this story and into the world, really, you know, it's, uh, it's about intention. And uh, incidentally, Yiddish is uh, quite the language for cursing. Uh, like a uh, perfect example of this uh, would be uh, all your teeth but one should fall out and that one should get a toothache. And... Uh, so in this story, that would actually be a good example, is if someone were to say that and say it with enough hate and enough belief in uh, that statement that it makes somebody's teeth fall out. Uh, you know, voodoo dolls are a more recognized thing of that nature, whatever you'd call it, you know, uh, ways to hurt people with magic, uh, from whatever you call that. Um, this is a very Jewish magic, uh, in this world. And the thing that's really interesting now, uh, that's coming in is the fact that I'm picking up on another, uh, you know, ancient, magical, religious uh, practice and elements that are not Jewish. Uh, and that being actually exactly the point and what I'm going to get back to and back to typing after uh, breaking on this because it's very, very much uh, not Jewish, not Jewish at all. Uh, and that's one of the things is of Izzy uh, himself uh, being horrified. It is uh, eight minutes to midnight and it seems like my computer is doing its periodic thing where it decides it doesn't want to charge. Uh, so it says I have three hours left. That should be fine. Uh, but I'll be back with you shortly to uh, figure out what terrifies a man like Israel Merch. It is five minutes to midnight and the start of Juneteenth, uh, a holiday that a lot of people were not previously aware of, but because of 
the monster, as usual, doing the only good he ever does for the world by accident and as a side effect of malice. Uh, the more people know that there is an actual day and a holiday uh, to mark and celebrate the day that uh, slavery was, uh, that the last slaves were told that the war was over and everybody was free. Uh, and so, of course, uh, Stephen Miller uh, and that orange windbag uh Probably, I mean, whoever uh, thought of going to Tulsa, uh, I want to get the year right. Um, th this also of just history, American history that people didn't know, but uh, but now everyone's talking about is the uh, the Tulsa race massacre uh, from. May 31st to June 1, just, okay, it was uh, 1921. Uh, Wikipedia, just in the most clinical terms, 800-plus uh, uh, injured, 130, 83 serious injuries, exact number unknown. Uh, but... The monster, the true, absolute, useless evil of uh, saying that we're going to have a speech about race and uh, for, you know, race togetherness and to plan to do it on Juneteenth in Tulsa with this in mind is, uh, is just revolting. And uh, if you're listening to this in the future and that should make the history books because it has to fucking do with history, uh, that amongst the evil, just the, you know, the, uh, the terror and evil that is spread in the world today, uh, that was something. Wanting to, uh, you know, uh, just raise a finger, just to, uh, you know, to uh, show the most disrespect that you possibly can uh, in any and every situation. And at the stroke of midnight into Juneteenth, uh, appropriately, um, I want to talk a little about racism in Star Material, the, uh, this thing I'm writing, this toxic Hollywood thing that is not just... Uh, about having, you know, a cameo of some 
slobbery, rude, uh, you know, uh, uh, big Hollywood Jew, you know, that a lot of people wouldn't do in the first place because of all stuff. But uh, I will not, you know, spend time wringing hands and justifying it because I'm Jewish. I am. It's my heritage. And I know it better than a lot of people and a lot of Jews. Uh, And so... I've seen some terrible... uh, some really awful things. It's one of the reasons I, uh, you feel like, uh, life prepares you for stuff in ways that you could never, ever understand when you're growing up, you know? And, uh, I was just discussing one thing like that earlier, but, uh, In, uh, I have, uh, been mostly, you know, living in the world and in, uh, secular Jewish communities or not exclusively Jewish communities. Uh, but I have spent time with and in, uh, more religious, uh, Jewish communities. And, uh, while I love some of, uh, the folks there very much, uh, and, you know, uh, the culture and the food and all that stuff, uh, there is some horrendous racism that I've encountered there and in, uh, orthodox, ultra orthodox settings, uh, that would be shocking, uh, or that, uh, when everybody was starting on about, you know, like we just had to break these, uh, you know, have to, convince the cult 45ers, uh, like, you know, you had to reason with them. Uh, that's wrong. That's absolutely wrong. And I know it from having been, uh, in one situation in particular with someone who said some of the most racist, hateful things I have ever heard, uh, just in, the course of conversation over dinner with his three-year-old fucking son in the room. I was furious uh, just about this. And I was trying to be calm and reasonable, you know. Uh, 
Star Material is really a story about toxicity, about human toxicity, not necessarily only human toxicity, and it doesn't just cut one way or another. Uh, anybody who has issues with how I'm portraying uh, Jews or Jewish characters in these stories, uh, that's why I'm telling the story, is to engage meaningfully with uh, Jewish issues and culture. And I will remind you uh, of what the name Israel means, if that has slipped your mind. So, I... There aren't straightforward heroes, obviously not in this scene or uh, in all of this, but uh, I want people to be upset and repulsed by some of the characters and some of these things. And it's not easy to, uh, to write this kind of thing in a nuanced way, as much as I'm doing and in different respects. Uh, but in this story, I'm starting to get into, uh, what I guess is the first interracial racism, uh, in this story, or, uh, that I've been very tightly focused on the Jewish characters and, uh, the nature of the story world, but very much had uh, wider things in mind. And of course, working with uh, Goetia actors uh, in the studios, you know, this kind of thing, or, well, actually, perfect example, the fact that they're going to have Shabbos Goyim, uh, which uh, is a whole concept um, moving on from them, moving on from it's a thing because I'm trying to portray in this regard a sort of like such a deep cultural racist assumptions and interactions with people that it is that uh that sort of unsettling like well of course they're all just dumb uh monster not monsters you know but I i've heard uh uh you know they're all just animals anyway like for christ's sake they're uh like they might not be the same color, but they are human. And, uh, and I'll never forget this, uh, this guy in this conversation. Uh, and as soon as I possibly uh, could, uh, I excused myself and thanked them for dinner and left that house. Uh, without looking back once.
there's this uh, this almost matter of fact hatred that is uh, disturbing and sad because it's not based on something. It's all these uh, the stories they tell or the you know this guy said this and so one of our guys got killed and we killed a bunch of them and they killed one of us and then we're mad again like just war the as uh as abner put it in the second book of samuel uh shall the sword devour forever is a important rhetorical question hmm And this sort of plays in a very interesting way with the other part of how this scene is coming together from being a few isolated uh, moments and one sort of double joke uh, moment that uh, you'll see uh, when you see it. But... uh, the part of this story also involves Izzy being invited into a very waspy environment uh, and to have uh, him be uncomfortable uh, is just a very interesting. It's not even the reason that I uh, was like, that's the key, that's the next thing to do here. But uh, it is interesting to put him in a space where he is going to be at unease, uneasy when normally he is the guy looming uh, and overwhelming and uh, really that he's like uh, he's like a spider. He's like a big fat spider in the middle of his own studio and everything revolves around and, you know, centers in to him. Uh, but this place is, uh, is exactly not that. He is alone he's uh i didn't even have that like this didn't even come into my head until like within two hours ago maybe but it's it's something where i can throw him a few different directions and you know the the sandbird the first story that i wrote with him he had to be just charming and mysterious and off-putting and, you know, and uh, ugly and lumbering and all, all of these different things, but you had to be fascinated with him. You needed to, uh, for readers encountering the character for the first time and knowing that it was going to take me months to write, you know, what ended up being 10 pages in the first iteration to show people that, uh, you know, you couldn't be entirely uh, disgusted with him 
and not want to finish it or not find anything sympathetic in him. Uh, and I'm playing with that with a few other things I've written so far. But this one uh, actually puts him in an in an enormously vulnerable situation. And let's get back to that. And I know like 17 minutes into this one, when I said I'll get back to right, right after the break. So. I see the shape of this now coming out. And uh, I could not have done this back in the, in the summer of 2018 was when I had done enough of this story to start working on a particular scene to share. Uh, but man, by the time this is... Uh, shareable, you're going to feel a bunch of different ways about him back and forth here. But, uh, but I just figured out more or less the terms that he is going to leave this place on. And it's going to be uh, somewhat biblical. Need to check the day. Also, interestingly, uh, Midsummer came up in a, a sunrise uh, Zoom call last night, which is just funny because it was in a group of us where that's already 
come up a few times uh, for whatever reason other than it's amazing and unforgettable movie. But uh, but since it is the 19th now, um, we are two days from midsummer, uh, June 21st or 2nd, whatever. What is it? This. Oh, wait, is Midsummer on Netflix? No. Unimportant right now. Uh, Midsummer, June 2020. What is it? Oh, June 24th. All right. Uh, Okie doke. Whatever. It's. Uh, it's midsummer on some calendar or other, but uh, but it's not the Julian calendar, that's for sure. Not in this place. Uh, but it's hot. It's summer, and uh, it's nice to go, you know, someplace quiet and. Uh, your own private camp or retreat, perhaps. Hmm. And that's, yeah. Hmm. 
Let's see, that is tried. Tried, tried, trite. All in caps, bold letters. Like, there has to be some better idiom that is not so fucking tired it can't stand up anymore. Um, and this belongs later, obviously, but it's kind of the central image unexpectedly of this story, which is kind of wild. <laughs> like it wasn't even anywhere in the same fucking country or millennium till this just popped to mind. It's uh, 1223 a.m. Juneteenth 2020 back in a flash. It is zero dark 31 June 19th Juneteenth. Um, yeah, and amazing things, battery life now, it's, uh, 45% is an hour 43 left, gosh, um, and we go on.
resoundingly meh. There's a thing Vince Gilligan said, uh, the creator of Breaking Bad, about uh, (laughs) how they would write characters into a corner. And uh, just as a rule is to make things hard for the people you care about, which uh, in writing, obviously not in life, uh, you should <laughs> try not to make things harder for people you care about, and you should care about more people. Try to do more good in the world than harm. But uh, it's just so weird how quickly this has come and how much there is now this scene and this thing like playing on these different dynamics because... Uh, I've just put Izzy in a corner like he isn't anywhere else in stuff that I've written or stuff that I've planned. He's, uh, well, quite frankly, um, and mindful of the fact and the sad, disgusting fact that there have been, uh, I think there have been five lynchings this week, like in America, there were two black men were lynched in uh, somewhere outside LA uh, in the past couple weeks. The first of which uh, didn't even, it, sa- it sounded like they didn't even give him an autopsy for 10 days. Like this, uh, just another incident of like real CSI. I think that we should see more of that. Just, you know, they find the victim and it's a black man who is, you know, died in whatever way for it to be the start of a CSI episode. And they just insta uh that they make some stupid pun over the dead body. So far so good. Thing everybody loves. And then they zip up the body and just like toss it into the back of the truck and just go and do something else. Like just to blatantly show they don't care. They don't see it as human. And that's a bit of some of the stuff I've been doing uh, in some parts, uh, stuff I've been writing more closer to the swamp than stuff here generally. Uh, But I've just made the note. Uh, (laughs) Careful now. Why doesn't he get lynched here? How do we play it?
because speaking of painting people in the corners, I like this. Not anything about, uh, you know, not what I've <laughs> just said or any of the elements of it, but as a story, you know, I'm making things really hard for a character that already is pretty much a constant stretch to sympathize with, and mostly you're going to be disgusted and outraged with the character, but I'm making him squirm, and uh, it's an interesting line. And it, uh, I wasn't sure. It's part of the reason that the thing that was the start of this story has just been a few notes for so long is because I wanted to introduce her on screen and I wanted to do something about kosher and stuff that's trafe because I'm being very mindful of a mixed audience, some of whom will know these things and can understand uh, the deeper stuff without my having to elaborate on it, uh, you know, but more for the more likely audience of something that is going to be announced as magical realist fiction uh, and some of which, although not this one, uh, are Midrashim as well. Uh, this isn't that. But I wanted to do a thing, uh, and this is what I'm doing, of introducing, you know, the fact that uh, whatever you think of the Izzy from all the other stuff that uh, you'll have seen of the character, uh, the, you know, all this stuff about him, but he is really, uh, you know, not upset exactly, but squeamish and finds it really distasteful that his date has a bloody stake because uh, blood is unclean and that's a principle in kosher and with halal uh, meat that all the blood has to be out of it. And uh, this is a bloody story amongst things. But there's a interesting resonance here, the way that I'm gonna Sometimes I think I'm overcomplicating stuff, the way that I'm playing one thing or another but <sighs> this one also is going to go in that same category 
of it's going to be a bitch to just make it sound right and check it and make it smooth enough that people can just read through and go, oh, wow, that was on page one. Flip back from page six, not knowing that I spent four months overall on all these things and it builds on what's now over three years of work on the story world, whatever. But along with the dark magic and the abuse of toxic relationships and all that stuff in the story, uh, race is uh, also at issue. And uh, in some of the stuff that I've done so far, I've had just, you know, mentions of, uh, uh, you know, like this character has, uh, you know, diluted, barely Jewish blood, you know, just the very dismissive uh, of that, that somebody might read and just, you know, uh, see that for whatever you see of that, through a Jewish character making that evaluation of another Jew. Whether you're on board with it or not, talking about race and uh, uh, religious, fractal, whatever. There's the, the, whatever the right word is there. Uh, Frack something, Uh, not fracking, but um, also just in case you didn't know, natural gas equals fracking. Don't forget it. Don't use it. Phase it out. Um, in this story, uh, it's not the one where I expected this to be coming out first. It was actually another scene over brunch instead of uh, lunch uh, and with a different set of characters. But uh, I'm not shying away from the fact that there is, uh, you know, these strong uh, opinions and uh, race hatreds within religious communities and secular communities and everywhere, you know, hopefully, uh, of things that we can hope and wish for of the time that we're in now. Uh, it would be wonderful if we're headed toward a more enlightened, uh, a time when we really are going to get, you know, out of Mitzrayim as a species, the, to be free and to be emancipated. Uh, that's, that's a billion other things that uh, many other people are more uh, qualified or have the right to talk about and it's something uh, everybody 
uh, who is white or, uh, you know, in privileged situations, uh, we need to be stepping back and letting uh, folks uh, from the Black community and other uh, communities being affected by the disproportionate racism and persecution and all the parts of this rotten uh, system that are geared against most people. this is a time where we need to be supportive, but it's equally important that we don't try to lead. And that's a personal statement and observation about the world we're in, at least objectively, uh, to whatever, you, you know, that's the, world around us that I see and can touch at the moment. But uh, back in the one that I'm building, and I hope people at some point will want to join me in and, uh, and dive into, I said before, this is going to be the first interracial uh, thing. And I couldn't have done that uh, earlier than this. Uh, Because I want to be very clear. I want to be abundantly clear that I'm being critical of behaviors, not encouraging or glorifying them, Uh, you know, that I'm bringing stuff out in fiction and really uh, Izzy is a fucking magnet for this kind of stuff, just everything about the way he's built as a character. And there's something, there's a very particular something in mind that I'm not going to get into on this recording, but it, uh, nah, you know what? This is exactly right. This is the time. This is the night. This is, uh, a different way of acknowledging Juneteenth and, the need to confront difficult history and uh, race, racism. Um, And the thing I mentioned before of uh, this conversation I had uh, some time ago with someone uh, that I encountered once. uh, And... Primarily, and my real, my my very deep revulsion at this was the fact that 
uh, about the fact that his three or four year old son was there uh, is that he was going on at length and with this very uh, just this matter of fact, very brash, hateful uh, thing about Schwarzes, uh, which is Yiddish and German as uh, the word black, but uh, but it's definitely and exactly uh, used in the same way as the N-word. And so I was at dinner uh, unexpectedly, and I would never, ever want to go back under that roof for anything. I still can't believe this, uh, but he's just going on uh, with dinner, just talking something, something about, you know, oh, Schwarzes, you know, they're all just a bunch of dumb animals, you know, and I was horrified, as you should be, by this. And uh, and I tried to talk to him. I tried to reason with him. And you can't. Uh, I've encountered a few situations like that. Uh, but that one was very direct, as I just talked to him about the the thing he was saying and trying to point out, you know, well, look at this with them. It sounds like uh, they really knew what they were doing because this and this, like trying to get him to acknowledge that uh, anything, but he just kept going with this, like, uh, he just kept going. He kept going and I, I couldn't stay there uh, another, I literally couldn't stay there another minute than it would have been uh, to, to not actually just get up and, you know, make a scene or whatever. But, uh, but that was one of those important lessons is like, you can't reason with people who just feel that way or have been brought up in an environment like that. Um, deprogramming is a thing. It's very much a thing, but you are not going to change someone's minds uh, with simple civil discourse. And you're not going to convince people of something that they don't want to think about by presenting statistics or charts. Uh, and in this thing I'm writing, uh, unexpectedly but perfectly, this story now has a deeper central part of it in which Izzy is going to be uh, the only Jew in a... Uh, setting where he is uh, <laughs> surrounded by wasps. It is uh, 1 a.m., Juneteenth, uh, cutting the disc here, and I'll be right back with you. It is 1.03 a.m., and we go on.
Huh. Yeah. There's a lot here. And it's this story is really when when I say to people this is about you know human toxicity uh you know you could imagine that means a bunch of things but i want people to really see some of this stuff uh in high definition
and this is one of those days. It's 107 a.m., Juneteenth, and I've just written uh, a clunky sentence, but uh, I want to make this more subtle uh, in the story, but uh, dear listener, uh, I'm going to give it to you a bit straighter uh, or more immediately which is that uh, to mention that Israel Merch is a uh, Baal Shem, uh, or has been at this point, I guess, because it's a flashback, is uh, in training or studying of some kind. However, uh, this works out. Uh which uh, is a kind of, it's broadly speaking, would be a kind of magic or a mastery. The name literally means Baal, uh, means master or lord. Uh, and is often, uh, without going back to the etymology stuff, it means master, and Shem uh, means name. Uh, and so uh, the, the title means master of the name. And uh, the... Of course, there's the Baal Shem Tov, the master of the good name. Uh, and I'm not going back to uh, to another Israel, actually. Uh, but uh, Izzy, at this point, and in the story world here, uh, is learning the power in names and how the right words can reshape the world. Which I think uh, may be, actually get that down verbatim. Yeah, we talk about this, this kind of thing is uh, words and the power of, uh, you know, this is uh, what words are. They are spells in different ways. Uh, it's called spelling, <laughs> uh, but at the root of it, really, uh, words define and shape things, uh, that in naming, 
uh, something, as in the monster, that anybody alive in this time uh, knows. Like, I don't have to uh, say anything else. Uh, don't overcomplicate him. He is a uh, uh, monster. And not the only one, but uh, in the past few days, I have been communicating uh, as we all do in all our different ways. Uh, but I've been making some connections that have been there and have been ready to line up and would have done with or without me, I'm sure. Uh, but I have just facilitated something potentially pretty massive uh, to be happening and to make it much smoother than I think it would be, uh, it is a natural alignment, but I've been preparing uh, for exactly this moment and considering how to uh, do the thing that I'm doing just in text, just in informing people about where folks are on a few sides and uh, helping the right people uh, connect. And it remains to be seen to what degree, but uh, in my own little way, uh, I'm trying to nudge the world in a better direction. Izzy, though, is not. The, uh, everything is about power, is about, uh, you know, sorcery. Uh, not using words or actions or resources for the good of anybody else, but for personal enrichment and to put people in awe or to, as I mentioned earlier, uh, cursing. Not uh, cursing like, uh, ah, fuck you, but... Uh, but actually laying a curse on someone, which is a very different thing. Uh, and these aren't things to take lightly or to, uh, you know, in and out of uh, the story I'm writing. These aren't things to do lightly. And...
Israel Merch curses pretty freely and is, uh, you know, handsy and sloppy and a bunch of other unappealing things. But I am surprised to find... uh, I actually did write something a while ago where... uh, I actually made him cry and, you know, I couldn't do a thing like that if it didn't break my heart too, like just to do that. Uh, But this is almost a position not of respect, not at all about respect, but, uh, but to understand well enough to not even say the name. Uh, And in this story, at least, that's going to be something I'm holding to. Uh, If you know, uh, you know. But... To... To invoke something is to summon it in some sense. It, uh, celebrity culture, uh, is a different, is related, but uh, also, you know, plays into this whole story, what is called a novel in progress, but the devil knows what this really is. It's a series of uh, stories at the moment. Uh, But... I think that celebrities in the 20th century have fulfilled a similar role, uh, not exactly analogous, but definitely similar to uh, patron saints and uh, idols, Uh, American Idol. It, I mean, just culturally as a thing, idol, uh, goes back to idolatry, of course, which is forbidden, super forbidden, uh, makes the top 10 list of uh, commandments of the thou shalt nots, uh, is worship other gods or idols. Uh, but there is a, a small fractal idolatry uh in uh, some kind of worship. Uh, That's probably something uh, I'm actually going (laughs) to make a note of here, out of worship.
Mm. Yeah. And it's this contradiction with Izzy that's been there from the start, but now I can draw out and people can look at and like say to me after reading it, uh, you know, oh, I think this or that and I can just nod and be uh, <laughs> satisfied that people get it, but uh, without my having to say, but uh that there is this enormous hypocrisy in someone who donates millions to Jewish charities and who is incredibly arrogantly dismissive of people who don't keep kosher properly or do these other things. It's this, uh, this very uh, frommer, uh judgmental shit uh that i also have encountered and uh have feelings about not as there's a basic hypocrisy a very basic core hypocrisy in the character of Israel Merch, which is that he sees himself as and presents himself and the community sees him as a good Jew, as a, you know, always oh, rough around the edges, uh, this and that. Uh, but, you know, he's a powerful, intelligent and uh, funny is definitely a thing with him is uh uh like some rock star i forget who but uh a friend told me of uh this guy who is uh like a heavy metal guitarist that uh at some point as a teenager his dad pulled him aside and said uh look son you're ugly you should uh, learn to play an instrument or it might, it might have been play an instrument or something else, but uh, you got to be good at something. And uh, <laughs> that's definitely some of the thing with Izzy. It's money, it's power, uh, and he is attractive in being funny and being smart, but in a lot of things, uh, he is also monstrous. Uh, and I want people to see uh, the other side of him, not as, uh, you know, sympathetic in terms of excusing his behavior or anything. Uh, but in terms of understanding someone who uh, has been hurt and hurts other people uh, in similar ways and because of that. And that's not true of a number of other characters of mine who, uh, you know, um, 
are coming from different places, but uh, Izzy is complicated. If I'm doing my job right, they're all should be uh, complicated and compelling, but uh, Izzy is really at the at the center of this web in his own domain but he is not. Um, in this case, as I'm going to have this to chew over, Izzy is, uh, for this story, it's starting off in the scene that I intended to write that's over lunch, but, uh, but now suddenly this big a uh, flashback or something is dropping into it. And it might not be the only one. It might not be because uh, the way I write or things that inspire me uh, <laughs> are nonlinear. Um, I think it's partly a seizuristic or post-seizuristic thing, the way that I bring ideas together and make certain leaps. Uh, but wherever and however it comes through, uh, sometimes I'm just trying to ride the wave of it. And on a non-recording, when it's not uh, half 1 a.m., uh, I could go with uh, green grass, high tides, and uh, uh, just typing more of this out without talking it all out. But uh, that is a meaningful thing I can do with this podcast and not, you know, the issue of reading my own stories where, you know, uh, copyright and wanting people to have something to read still. Uh, but if you're interested enough to be listening to this, I hope that you are enjoying some of this uh, behind the scenes thinking and what, you know, goes into making this happen. This is uh, this is literally where the magic is happening, is on uh, this level, and in creating characters that uh, I want people to feel for. Um, And it's kind of a perfect situation to put Izzy into this new thing because it's yet another way to pull out certain hypocrisies, but also looking at other social groups now, like the way that, uh, that there are going to be some wasps in this. Uh, and predominantly all the characters in the star material stories thus far 
uh, have all been Jewish or affiliated. Always got to be one alarm. <laughs> uh, it's obligatory. Um, I see so much hate in the world and, and all this, uh, you know, this toxicity that is reigning in the outside world right now. And I hope when you are hearing this, that the world looks brighter. Uh, I think uh, we are coming through and moving into a better time and a better world, but uh, we are moving through a very dark part of it and we're seeing more and more of these uh, unspeakable things coming to light, like, you know, the continual uh, murder of unarmed young black men, which continues to fuel, you know, not just ongoing riots or you know, protests over one thing or another, but so long as the cops are going to have qualified immunity and decide that they want to play judge, jury, executioner uh, for dumb shit or for nothing, uh, we need to dismantle all of this because uh, it is not respecting human life or trying to keep the peace. It's uh, about power. And that's a uh, uh, thing for another story uh, in a different world. And <sighs> I'm figuring out the style and the different scenes of what I want to write. Uh, and of course, making atrocious missteps and uh, all the rest of that. But I feel good about this recording. Uh, and if nobody else hears it, I'm gonna be listening over it and mulling over the thing that's really going on, not just all this, uh, again, necessarily elliptical stuff, uh, because I'm not putting some of this stuff on tape for various reasons. Uh, but I like the idea of Izzy, uh, where we see him as a ball sham, uh, not, you know, specifically uh, in some sinister context as I have painted him in the Sandbird, specifically styled as a Balsham Hora, uh, which either you get off the bat uh, or to know that... Uh, like Kanahora, 
is uh, means evil eye, and it's an invocation. It's actually there's another invocation as you invoke it, uh, like a poke in the eye is uh, saying uh, instead of saying uh, I hope this goes well, is to say I hope this goes well, Kanahora is like uh, I'm watching you, you know, evil forces that want to fuck things up for you. Uh, and so Abal Shemhora uh, is a master of the names of evil. And I have one minute left on the recording. I've said pretty much what I wanted to say here and it's 1.32 a.m. And I want to leave on that note and the fact uh, just to emphasize that in this situation, he understands that there is a greater evil uh, without being tongue in cheek or without being, you know, blustering or all the rest of that. This is a moment where Israel March feels small. And uh, let's leave it at that. I have 12 seconds left on the tape. It's 1.33 a.m. Juneteenth. Love to all you guys. Stay safe. Be well. Zygazant.